This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Have you ever had a time in your life that you just felt like, you know, I need somebody to help me. I need somebody that I can go to. So somebody that can kind of lift me up. It kind of reminds me of the song by Bill Withers, Lean on Me. And he says, lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. We all need someone like that. Well, Jesus is that friend. Today we want to talk about leaning on the everlasting arms. Please stay tuned today. Hello, I'm Billy Lambert, and I want to welcome you today to Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those that are watching today, possibly for the very first time. Thank you for tuning in. Now today, before our study together, we want to offer a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize it is free. And we want you to have it in order that you might know more about it and how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to call your attention to a couple of passages of Scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 33. And I'm going to be reading verse 26 and 27. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heavens in thy help and his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. You know, God has always been concerned about his people. From the very beginning of time up unto the present hour, he has been concerned. And these two passages of Scripture tell us something about how God operates in his concern for man. First of all, he tells us that He is above us. Notice the text. He said He rides upon the heavens. So God is, is, uh, is above us. Secondly, God is around us. He is our refuge. If you have a refuge, that's a place of security, and, and you're secure from every side. So God is around us. Then God is before us. He said He thrust out the enemy, you know, before you. And then God is under us. He said, underneath are the everlasting arms. M Moses is the author of these words in our text. 
And at this time, Moses was an old man. And he knew that his time for leadership over God's people was coming to an end. And before Moses, there was a new generation. And he knew that they needed some guidance and counsel for the future. And this is what he wanted them to know. That whatever happened to them in the future, they could always lean on the everlasting arms of God. I want to to raise a question here. Where are those arms of God? If we can lean on them, where are they? And the text says, underneath, underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath everything that exists, there needs to be a sound, solid substructure. Underneath every building that is built. Underneath every highway that is made. There needs to be something underneath that is sound, that is solid, that will hold up the the structure above or will hold up the automobiles that will pass up and down that highway. Underneath, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And you can go down into the basement of all things that exist And when you go down into the basement of everything that has ever been made, everything that exists in this world, what you're going to find there underneath all things are the everlasting arms of God. Everything is upheld by the word of His power. Underneath are those everlasting arms. And underneath the church, are the everlasting arms of God. You see, the bare idea of the church was His. It was in His purpose from the beginning of time. In the third chapter of Ephesians, verses 10 and 11, Paul said, To the intent now, that that under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the, the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's never been a time that God did not have the church in mind. He purchased to build a church. He purchased it. The idea that it was some kind of an afterthought of God or an emergency measure on the part of God, that that He established it as some kind of a a side, side idea, is contrary to teaching of the Bible, and it is a reflection upon the wisdom of God. Underneath the church are the everlasting arms of God. It was His idea. His idea, not man's idea, God's idea. And the foundation was His idea. Jesus Christ is its foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. The builder was God's idea. Jesus came into the, into the region around Caesarea Philippi, And Jesus said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the church. That's God's idea. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23, Christ is the head of the church and He's the Savior of the body. Folks, there's only one Savior and that's Jesus Christ. The church, underneath the church, are the everlasting arms of God. Because you see, Christ is its head. Ephesians 1, 22, 23, gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. You see, the church is God's idea. God planned it from the very beginning of time. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. Underneath divine providence are the everlasting arms of God. In Romans 8, 28, Paul wrote, For we know that all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose, God works in the realm of providence in the lives of those who love Him. And God works in the realms of providence for our good and for our benefit. The providence of God is assured. Paul said, for we know. For we know. This is something we know. The providence of God is all-inclusive. He said that all things, all things. Now, Paul is not affirming that things that people do that are wrong are included in this, but things that we do that are, in con- that, are, that are in harmony with God's will are included. We know that all things, and the providence of God is har- harmonious. It all, all things do work together. They work together. You take ingredients for a cake, and for, the, for those ingredients to make a cake, you have to put all of them together. They have to work together to come out to make a, a very delicious, beautiful cake. And we, God takes the events in our lives and those things mesh together and they work out for our good. All things work together. And the providence of God is beneficent. He said, for good, for good, it's for our benefit. And the the providence of God is limited to those that love the Lord, to those that are the called according to His purpose. God underneath, God is our God, and underneath we have God's everlasting arms in the realm of providence. That simply means that that God is working within the parameters of His divine law for our profit, for our benefit, for our good. Sometimes people confuse the, the working of God in the realm of the miraculous with God working in the realm of, the, of providence. And there is a realm of general providence where, where God provides for people whether they love God or not. For example, the sun shines on the good and on the bad. The rain falls on the evil and the righteous. But there's a realm of special providence where God is working on behalf of those that are His children. 
And so you and I can rest on and lean on the everlasting arms of God, knowing that whatever is going on in my life now, one day is going to work out for good. Let me give you a Bible example. Joseph was sold by his brothers. You remember the story? Probably the first time you ever heard that story when you were in Sunday school. And you remember his dad gave him a coat of many colors? And his brothers were envious of him, according to Acts 7 and 9. And so they wanted to do away with him, and, and they sold him to some slave traders. And while they were waiting for them to come, they put him in a hole in the ground. Do, do you think that while Joseph was in that pit, that, that he was saying like this, you know, now this thing my brothers have done to me is a horrible, horrible thing. But you know, I know that it's going to work out for my good someday. Now, Joseph was a very young man at this time. And, and I don't believe for a moment that, that Joseph thought that. He, he probably thought at that point in his life, this is the worst thing my brothers have ever done to me. But years later, his brothers come to Egypt in quest of food for their families. And Joseph now has been elevated to second in command of the land of Egypt. And he's prepared the land for this famine. And his brothers come to get food and take back to their families and to their flocks. And they have to stand before Joseph. Not there thinking Joseph is dead. And finally Joseph reveals himself to them. And don't you think their knees knocked a little bit when they found out they're standing in front of the man that they, they sold, actually wanted to kill him, and now he's in a position to do them harm. But does he? No. This is what he told them, Genesis 50, 21. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. There's providence running all through the story of Joseph being sold into Egypt. And there are things that happen in our lives sometimes that we think are disasters, but it turns out for good. I would not be preaching to you today on getting to know your Bible in all probability had my dad not lost his job many, many years ago when I was just a teenager. He'd worked at a factory for many years. And then one day, those who owned the factory decided they would move it to another state. And now all of the employees were without jobs. It was at that time that we moved our family from Middle Tennessee to Mobile, Alabama. It was in July the 4th, 1959. And it was after moving to Mobile that I happened to come under the influence of the preaching of a man by the name of V.P. Black. He encouraged me to go to school in Montgomery, Alabama at what was then called Alabama Christian College, now called Faulkner University. It was there that I met my wife. It was there that I studied the Bible. It was there that I, I desired to preach the gospel more than anything in all the world. And I'm here today. I am convinced that with beyond a shadow of a doubt because something bad happened years and years ago when I was just a teenager. I thought my world was gone, leaving my friends behind. And I knew no one in Mobile, Alabama. But I can look back now and see that God took that lemon in my life and He made a lemonade out of it, that all things work together for good. And underneath 
that providence of God are His everlasting arms. And God's arms are underneath us to protect us, to guard us, and to guide us. That, that's the reason Solomon said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, Solomon, if I'm not going to lean on my understanding, what am I going to lean on? Lean on the everlasting arms of God. What is it that's underneath us? Everlasting arms. Arms. Arms in the Bible, especially in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15, denote God's strength. God's, uh, God's arms are there used as, uh, as a symbol of strength. And underneath us we have the arms of God. And the arms of God are arms of everlasting purpose. They're arms of everlasting love. I like the passage in Jeremiah 31 and verse number 3 where he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God's arms are, are arms of everlasting power, of everlasting immutability. You know, God said in Malachi 3 and verse 6, I change not, and God does not change, underneath are the everlasting arms of God. But here's a question. When are those arms underneath us? Well, they're underneath us at all times. Listen to Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's never a time that God forsakes us. Men may forsake us. We may feel the world has forsaken us, but God never does. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And His arms are under us when we need comfort. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said that God is a God of comfort, all comfort. Then he says He comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort others with the same comfort wherewith we are comforted. You see, God comforts me, then I can turn right around and comfort you. You can lean on the everlasting God, arms of God, and you can lean on them when you need comfort. You can lean on God's arms when you are tempted. Now, you don't have to raise your hand but have you ever been tempted? Oh, all are tempted, aren't we? Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 said, There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I love that, don't you? That God is faithful who will not suffer you. That means to be, allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape? And I believe God's providence is written all over that passage. That when we're tempted, God is going to make a way, provide a way that we can overcome it. And when He provides the way, we need to take it. But God's arms are underneath us to lean on when we are discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? There's not a person living. I don't care if you're the President of the United States of America. 
I don't care if you're the president of a large corporation. All people at some time in their lives become discouraged. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Psalms 46 and verse 1. And then underneath us are the everlasting arms of God when we carry the burden of guilt. Guilt is like a weight on our souls, almost said around our necks. But really guilt is like a weight around our souls and on our souls. Many feel guilty about so many different things. But Jesus Christ is the one who can take that burden off of you. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But folks, you've got to be willing to lean on those arms. Now, underneath are the everlasting arms. Well, what then? We've got to look to Him beneath the Him who is able to help us. We, we've got to look to the, to the very bottom of our hope. What are you looking at today? You're looking at the, the world events? You're troubled by world events? You're troubled by the threat of nuclear uh, blasts, nuclear missiles and the like? Are you troubled by violence in the streets? Are you troubled by the murders that we have going on in our country today? Are, are those the things that you focus on all of the time? Folks, we've got to look to the bottom of our hope today. And our hope is in God and our hope is in Jesus Christ. If, if you're looking at the world around you and the events around you, you're leaning on a broken reed. The Bible talks about broken reeds. And, and you break a reed and you break it and it, it will enter into your body and hurt you. It's like a broken reed that will pierce your soul. We need to lean on Him who is everlasting. We need to lean heavily on Him. Lean heavily on the everlasting arms. And then when we do, here's what we can do. When you learn to not lean on yourself, not to, to, to have confidence just in yourself and what you can do, but you've got to lean on the everlasting arms of God Folks, you can rise up with some confidence. Paul knew that he had to trust God. Paul knew that he had to lean on God for help. And Paul, therefore, could rise up with confidence. Now, had Paul done some things were not right? Absolutely. But this is what he wrote it to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 and following. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not going to look back. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean on God. And I'm going to go forward to, uh, to accomplish what I have set out to do, and that's go to heaven one day. 
Jimmy Faulkner Sr. was a dear friend of mine. Jimmy Faulkner ran for governor of Alabama twice, lost both times. He was a state senator at one time, and Faulkner University in, in Montgomery, Alabama is named for him because of all that he did for that university. His name is well known in the state of Alabama and throughout the southeast. But, but Jimmy told me one day, I have one goal in life. And I said, well, well, well Brother Faulkner, what is your goal? He said, my only goal in life is to go to heaven one day. He's been with the Lord now for some time. I don't think Jimmy is disappointed because he was leaning not on Jimmy, not on politics, not on money. He was a very wealthy man, but he was leaning on the everlasting arms of God. What are you trusting today? What are you leaning on today? Are you just trusting yourself? Are you trusting what you can do? Are you trusting God? If you start leaning on God, you can go forward with hope and courage. And we need hope and courage in these moments in history. Are you a Christian? Would you not give your life to Christ today as a believer in Him? A, a person is willing to repent of his or her sins because our Lord said, repent or perish in Luke 13, 3. Would you be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, as Peter did in Matthew 16, 16? And would you be willing to have some servant of God immerse you into Christ, Galatians 3, 27, for the remission of your sins, according to Acts 2, 38? Because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I, I want to thank you for watching today. And... Before we close, I want to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it's located, you call us and we'll get the, that information for you. And also, pick up the telephone right now. Call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And if you prefer, you can take it online. We have that available for you as well. But whatever you do, please avail yourself of this opportunity. This telecast is called Getting to Know Your Bible. And this course helps you to do that very thing. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.